This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. We've seen quite a lot of discussion over the last couple of years about the amount of misinformation on various social media platforms and on the Internet in general. But what level of impact could that have on our democracy? A new paper for, from experts at the Wharton School and Microsoft Research takes a deeper dive into this area. And the idea they have come up with is called Project Ratio. David Rothschild is an economist with Microsoft Research who's part of this report, and he joins us with more. David, thanks very much for your time. Hope you're doing well. Thank you for having me today. Thank you. So I guess let's start with the backstory on, on wanting to look at this specifically. Yeah, well, look, a lot of people come out of the 2016 election thinking misinformation is a very key topic. Uh, and, and indubitably it is. Um, the public is not well informed about the key topics of the day, whether or not it's what's going on in the election, uh, what policies different people are trying to pursue, uh, et cetera. And a lot of people, including people in the academic and in the popular press, really hammered in on social media. They hammered in on Russians. They hammered in very overt disinformation campaigns. And my colleagues, including Duncan Watts, who's at Warden, and a bunch of other postdocs and graduate students, started focusing in on mainstream media and the role that mainstream media played in spreading disinformation. And we saw this as a topic that was really underappreciated, uh, under-researched, and we found a lot of really interesting things about how mainstream media inadvertently uh, or not uh, spread a lot of the misinformation that ultimately affects voters. So how much of an impact then, and I'll go back to the mainstream media side of this in a moment, but how much impact then has online and, and social media platforms actually had in this process? Well, look. Online and social media has really transformed the way that information is generated um, and, and shared for many people. Um, but when it comes to news, the vast majority of the population is still getting the vast majority of their news from television. Approximately 85% of news consumption by the general public is coming off of television uh, compared with just 15% or so from social media or online sources. Um, because basically... While television made news a very big portion of what you see, it's there all the time. The local news pops up when you're watching TV. Uh, cable news is a very prominent portion of it. This is actually just a, a less prominent portion of people's online diets. Uh, and when they do, a lot of times they end up on things like MSN or Yahoo or another kind of home pages, which are very uh, generic uh, news types of uh, delivery. And right. so while Online news makes a huge difference, especially in fomenting uh, conspiracy theories, uh, creating misinformation. Uh, consumption still generally goes to television. And, and you also say that that, that term fake news has uh, been uh, quite frequent in a lot of scholarly journals over the last few years. I mean, it's been, a, been an obsession. Uh, there's no question about it. Um, you, know, you see a lot of studies out there uh, heavily focused on this question. And the thing is that they also heavily focus on the very overt stuff, you know, um, articles which are clearly absurd. The, the Pope endorses Donald Trump. They, they like to focus on those types of things. What we try to focus on is the, is the little bit of the harder stuff, which is misinformation that is couched in true information. Um, uh, you know, one great example I always like to point to people is 
when the mainstream media or social media or ever, where you see people quoting without context things that are false information. So maybe that came from the president. Maybe that came from, from other sources. Um, but quoting things that aren't true, that's sort of true, right? So the president did say that voting fraud uh, was a major issue, but actually the underlying information is not true and leads to a less informed public. And this is a much more prevalent form of, of misinformation. So in terms of, of TV outlets and the mainstream media, uh, how much impact do they have in this entire process? They have an incredibly huge impact in this process. And one thing I always like to remind people is that there are very, very few stories that are uh, forced to be big stories. Uh, 9-11, COVID, et cetera, it would be hard to skip. Um, but the biggest topic of the 2016 election was Hillary Clinton's IT security. That was the issue that was most salient to the vast majority of the population. And let's be clear, there was no reason that even had to be anything of a story. Um, the mainstream media chose to run with it. Obviously, the FBI had a, a large portion of that. Right. Um, but ultimately, other topics could have dominated. And as we look at the 2020 election, you know, there's any number of things could have been the top story of this election, um, past COVID, of course. You know, whether or not it was the Russian bounty story or whether or not it was questions about uh, corruption that have largely uh, gone undiscussed. Any of these things could have been the main topics of discussion. The mainstream media um, and uh, and kind of other types of elites have a huge say in what ultimately it filters out to the general population. But you you also have an interesting bit of data in there that in the scope of of all of the content that we're looking at over the course of our day, that this quote unquote fake news. Uh, is a relatively small portion uh, of the amount of content that we see each and every day. That's definitely right. And and look, and there's something else we also anticipated um, was that, you know, overt fake news, uh, while it was somewhat effective in, in reaching some people in 2016, let, let's think uh, the pizza gay conspiracy as well, other things like that, um, you know, as technology evolves, as, as people's, ability to uh, uh, propagandize evolve, you move away from that type of thing and you, you spread in more misinformation in more subtle ways. Um, so ultimately, it's, it becomes something that uh, is easy enough to squash. It's easy enough to suppress uh, these overt things. And so the people that we're competing against in this sense for uh, in a foreign population, they're going to get more clever. And if you look at even on the Russian side, uh, you know, RT and Sputnik and other types of things, uh, that they've created, you know, they do mainly real news and then they put in misinformation more subtly. I believe that Scott Atlas, who is the president's uh, head scientist at this point, went on to RT, not realizing that RT standard for Russia today. Uh, um, they become yeah. more subtle. And as it become more subtle, um, it becomes a, a much more difficult game to spot and define and that this overt fake news that everyone's been chasing becomes less and less important. And, and I think the, the other part to this, David, is is the fact that the assumption, I think, by many is that this is really prevalent around our elections, but we're getting to the point right now where this is very much a 24-7, 365 problem here in the United States and other parts of the world. Uh, indubitably. Um, and I think I'll add a few things on, which is to say that, so first of all, most fake news in this overt fake news sense is business-driven, not election-driven. Um, so... It's, uh, you know, 
things about diets and energy jinks. It's, it's uh, selling products that are pyramid schemes, right? And it actually turned out in 2016 that a lot of what was driving overt fake news was actually people who are for-profit, not ideological, and they realized that this is fixed better on the right. The, the right was more prone to enjoying it, so they produced more content that bashed the left or favored the right, and it was a business decision. Um, and ultimately, uh, then, as you say, as these things evolve, um, it becomes a question which should be drawn out much larger than the election cycle. We are continuously consuming news uh, uh, day in and day out. Um, and as I said, sometimes it's uh, low information. Uh, voters may be getting a lot less of it than, than others. Um, but ultimately, you know, the, we should be looking at the, the quality of the content um, year in and year out, day in and day out. And that's something where people focus too heavily on the election. They forget that the world's already been primed before the election happens. A lot of voters, uh, you know, already have made up their minds about various politicians, about various policies. Right. Um, and we focus so much about the information right at the end um, that we forget that, you know, most people aren't changing their minds at the end. It's across a four-year cycle where they're, they're, they're learning about people, learning about things, learning about policies and making those decisions. And so we need to be thinking about this as a continuous process. So how then do we better deal with this concern of misinformation moving forward? Look, I think that uh, there are a place for a lot of different types of research here. We particularly have focused a lot on the mainstream media because we're interested in how the, the average, the marginal person is being affected by these types of things. And so trying to parse out um, how we can catalog all the types of news people get across various modes is proven to be quite complicated, increasingly complicated, because previously, you know, people had televisions. There wasn't that much being produced, and, and there was a set place people were consuming it, you know, televisions plus newspapers plus radio, and now you have a lot of various modes of trying to understand it. Um, if your concern is radicalization, then definitely, you know, deeping into YouTube, uh, uh, even more so than Facebook at this point, uh, and going into the far right corners on 4chan and 8chan, all these things become incredibly important. If your concern is about how these things are created more than how they're consumed, uh, then you end up even deeper into uh, these types of, of, of places. And so it really depends on, on what people's biggest concerns is. Uh, but ultimately, uh, the challenge is not uh, the challenge is not appreciated by a lot of people. It's very complicated. And, and two ways that I think that people need to understand the subtlety is number one defining fake news and understanding what's real and not real. This is a Herculean task that I don't think people appreciate the hard work and difficulty for Facebook and YouTube and, and even the mainstream media to try to figure out um, sure. what things are. And then the second thing is just even understanding uh, how people consume stuff and, and where people are getting their information in an increasingly complex world is, is a tricky question. David, thanks very much for your time. All the best with everything. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you, David uh, Rothschild, Rothschild, excuse me, of Microsoft Research. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.